1: Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring.
2: Hey, you
1: get bored by
0: baseball. Okay, one thing the game
1: needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown man run around tight pants. It's Movie Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Sal This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford.
0: All right, baseball is not boring in large part because of these guys. It's been the, the, that way for a while. Tim Dirk, Steve Adams of MLB Trade Rumors.
1: There's MLB Trade on. Rumors.
0: Basically, oh. you want to talk about a launching pad for baseball not being boring? Like this, you guys have got us through so many, so many important months of the calendar year. as, as we sit here right now, this being one of them. But I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you. Oh, you're
2: welcome. Thanks for thanks for always uh, being a supporter of ours. Um, yeah, we we love the off season here. You know, it's our time to shine. I mean, aside from the trade deadline, it's when things
1: are really popping, and it's just super fun. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. This go oh, ahead, go
0: Steve.
1: Ahead. Uh this time of year is awesome. Like, I mean, we put a. I know we're gonna talk about the the top fifty and everything coming up here, but like, it's 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 just a ton of fun to to spend the time kind of you know kicking things back and forth with Tim and Anthony and Dara and our whole team and and really focusing in on that and uh it it's a lot of work goes into it but it's it's always a, a really fun time
0: well the we, this this as you said we're going to get into the top 50 which is it's just one of the many great things MLB trade rumors does but uh for me it's it's like christmas in november it's great it's so good and 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 I can't and I t- listen I've told you guys this before it just it I am in awe of how accurate you guys are, how close you guys are. And I know that you, you put a lot of work into it, so it's no accident at all. I guess the first thing I'll ask you guys is that having done mm-hmm. this, how many years have you done the top 50 for?
2: Again, um, I, I mean, we've been a website for 17 years. Um, so I don't know if this is the 16th or 17th or whatever. I used to do... Um, much simpler versions of this, like yeah. in the early days. there. I mean, there was a time when I was the only writer on the website. And if you go back and read those posts, they're really embarrassing. They're nothing <laughs> like you can find on the website now. Sometimes Steve sends them to me because they're funny. Um, they're very <laughs> conversational and just lame. Um, but so I would crank out a list, and I would crank it out in like a few days back then. So I wouldn't count that. But I'd say at least for the last decade or – Even more, you know, we've been doing an involved collaboration top 50 process. Um, It used to be at one point that we just predicted teams and we would have a consensus team pick and we wouldn't even really predict the contract. Then um, we added contract predictions and then we decided that the team predictions were such like a goofy thing that you can't really nail that why don't we each do our own and give them a taste of like, here's what three or four different guys think. And then we don't have to sit there and try to come to a consensus on this team's going to send this guy. And cause it's all a big puzzle. And so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's really evolved over the years.
0: It's so good. And, and so let me ask you this, each of you, give me the one, and this is maybe not a fair question cause I should have given you the heads up. Give me one, which you're like, man, I nailed that one. I, I, I feel really, really good about the fact that I nailed that. And there's been a lot of them, but there's probably some that, you know, that a lot of people, are like. I did not see that coming in. And, and I, I, I find myself saying that all the time. I might look at your list and like, no, no chance. And then boom, there it is. It's right of the money. Is any is that a fair question? You guys have any top of mind? Um
2: I would say one that sticks to my mind is Jacoby Ellsbury. I remember going to winter meetings after we made that prediction. <clears throat> I don't even remember what he signed for, 150 million or something. We got within a couple million Steve. dollars of that one. That was a good one. Um, what do you think, Steve? You got any?
1: Uh, I mean, I got a, a James McCann jersey over my shoulder there, framed it on the wall because because uh, that was a that was a prop bet between Tim and I. Tim wanted to give put him at like I don't know five million dollars or something, and I was like, this guy's getting thirty plus. And he's really like, no, absolutely not. And I was, we made a little wager and. Uh, seems like tim and i have one of those every year it's usually a catcher that i think is going to get paid more money than he yeah.
2: is, so this year i learned my lesson and when he started uh pumping up christian vasquez i said yeah no you're right steve i still want to go higher vasquez, it's so a three-year deal it's totally fine we're putting that so so that would be the one this year
0: if you had to make one of those bets vasquez
2: no i actually agreed on him so the the one where i'm like Listen, I just don't agree with you, but you guys are, are really smart and plugged in, so I'm just going to let this be the prediction. will be Carlos Estevez. Um, yeah. I, if I was making the list, I wouldn't have put him on the list if I was doing it solo, and it would have been kind of an oversight. So Anthony Franco, who collaborated with us as well, um, was just really stumping for Estevez that he throws hard, and you know they're going to get him out of Colorado, and he's going to get a three-year deal. Everybody's going to want him, and I'm like – No, he's he's not going to get through your deal. And I still don't think he is. But he's on the list having it in deference to Anthony and Steve. um, I like it.
1: No, I
0: like it.
2: I mean, this is what makes the the conversation fun. Because now I'm going to look at
0: Estevez and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, before I wouldn't even pay attention to it.
2: Yeah, and so if if Anthony's right, he's going to get. I'm going to send him the only Carlos Estevez jersey that (laughs) exists outside of his own family, I would would assume. (laughs) No No offense.
0: And we should we should know that along with you guys, Anthony Franco and Dara McDonald also are contributors to this, making the yeah. predictions. Yeah, um, yeah. So, which is, and and you guys have talked before about this about how you sort of get together and you exchange ideas, and I would imagine emails, and and it's 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 a very sort of detailed back and forth sort of thing, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. um, So in in the lab, I mean, basically for the entire time, I've kind of been the quarterback of it this year. I kind of passed the torch to Steve. So almost everything that you see written in the post was written by Steve. And he took a little bit more of the leadership role of it this year, but um, we still ended up doing something a little bit close to our typical process for deliberation, which is we get like a Slack chat going with me and Steve and Anthony and really, just argue for hours on end about free agents, and we start that. We it's all of October. It's 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 fun, and it's also really draining because you're arguing about like Drew Smiley, and you're like, "This is ridiculous." We got to get back on track.
0: <laughs> so it's a question that I've asked you guys before. Who, what is the other than Estevez, What was the one that that you argued about that w- led to the most spirited debate?
1: What do you think, Steve? Oh, man. The most spirited debate? I don't know. Like, we we went, we had had some, and this is just a me thing, I guess. I don't know why. I don't have anything against the guy personally. I'm sure he's a good dude, but I just like like the the jerks in pro profile this year, I was just like this guy. I there's so many predictions out there for him, you know, going four years and fifty million. And, and Tim kind of kept me like, "Are we light on this guy?" And I'm like, "No, no, we're, we're too heavy on him at two and I wanted it like two and fifteen, and I think we put two twenty, and that's fine. And he might get more than that. He surprised us the last time, but um, yeah, there's there's definitely some of that, and it's kind of a fun or not maybe not fun, uh, but like a weird quirk of the entire exercise is that you find yourself arguing for the reasons why a guy that maybe you don't even like that much as a player but why the market will value him and so you're like listen listen, i don't think this guy's like that good but like somebody's going to for these reasons and he's going to get paid and you're sitting there like arguing for numbers that in your mind are like this is insane like i would never like i would never ever like endorse this contract personally but um you kind of have to yeah try to put yourself into the into the headspace of how the market's going to react to a guy. It's
0: interesting that you say that, factors. you know, we were just talking, I said Dayton moron and we were, we were talking about how, you know, how teams value things and, and is it, it, maybe it's a little bit cyclical now with teams, maybe coming back around to valuing, doing the whole, we value this guy cause he's a good guy. He's a good clubhouse guy. Where I think in the last couple of years he had tilted so much into well, you know, we see that he has this ERA, but his spin rates this and we you know, so for you guys, you know, that's the challenge too, right? Like you see a guy and you're like, yeah, but then you hear the buzz, well, hey, listen, we like we like the analytics on this guy. We like the 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 profile of this guy going forward. And so that's a challenge, right? And that must be a little bit different this time around.
2: Yeah, I would say we can usually take a fairly educated guess at who the guys who are going to have buzz based on stats or stat casts or stuff like that. Um, the the thing that can be harder is the Eric Cosmers of the world where it's like mm-hmm. we know he's going to get a lot of money. We know it's going to be more money than we think he's worth, but we still think he's going to get it. And so we're trying to predict what he, what he is going to get and what his earning power is. And so um, you have to put him kind of higher than your comfortable with and it's going to be based on some intangible things and you know you know we don't really have a good survey of like well why why does everybody love jerks and profar so much or
1: eric cosmer and we don't really know why yeah do you, do you, it's, do you uh, go, go ahead steve i uh, was to to you know piggyback on that that the byproduct of that is then people you know assuming that we think that that's you know what this player is worth and it's like well that's not really what yeah. we're doing um
2: Ed, yeah, so Keith, so Keith law cool. kind of does a list and he's been doing it for a long time and it's really good. And it's like, here's what I would pay the player. Um, and, you know, for example, he said he would give Aaron Judge a four year deal. And I was like, well, yeah, OK, that makes sense. And I mean, you're you're not even really in the bidding here at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so we put him for uh, eight, I think. or eight, nine. Eight, three Yeah, seven, and So, you know, eight, we're not, a, it's not an endorsement, you know.
0: Yeah. Was, uh, how much do the agents factor in? obviously you know it's with one agent in particular you know everyone's
2: (laughs) like oh well so you know and i don't want to be seen as like stumping for the boris corporation because we, we really try to be neutral um but he does seem to have or his company seems to have some ability to get on average to get a free agent paid beyond uh, normal expectations, and we do factor that in, and we did factor that in this year. I think the best example was Josh Bell. Um, Josh Bell was a guy when when he was going good this year. I was maybe pushing a five year deal, uh, like a Nick Castellanos level deal, and that was kind of the ceiling. Then he tanked for the last couple months, and then you know we were talking two, three years, and I see a lot of predictions like that. But we 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 hashed this out like ad nauseum, and we landed at four years for Bell. And it's like, well, who would give that to him? And we couldn't really answer that all that well, but we kind of just bet on Scott Boris just finding a way. Like, he, he's done that so, so many times where you couldn't really identify what team it was going to be that would give this crazy-ish contract, and he still got it. That's not every single time, but it's, it's a lot, and I, I believe it's more than
1: other agencies can pull off. Yeah, I I think part of that stems from like he just has so many clients in general. Um, But I mean, with regard to Bell, like we looked specifically at like almost like this type of skill set, you know. And you mentioned Castellanos, which is like a very offensive first player, very like defensively limited. Um, And you go back and you look at, you know, he got Castellanos, that's, you know, a, a nice contract twice in free agency. Mike Moustakis, the deal with the Reds, it took him a few times. And Moustakis is an example, you know, with the first and second trip through free agency, how maybe like, he does, it does it's not a guarantee that just like oh hey like it's it's you know the boris corporations so they're going to get this guy tons of money like i think that's a fallacy as well but there there are some demonstrated examples of like this is a guy who we have looked at and said we don't see it we don't see it and and we've gone low on the prediction and then it's you know three months later lo and behold like here we are it's like oh well yeah you know we were talking about that and we all kind of agreed like it, it doesn't make sense to us so it's not going to happen and and there are just certain circumstances where, that being one, where I think we just kind of like put the cross there and said, okay, like yeah, like we don't see it, but it's it's a vote in favor of you've gotten the skill set paid enough times in the past that we're like, okay, you'll find a way.
0: That's why I think it's it's really unbelievable that you guys do what you do because we just went through it. I mean, you had agents, you have analytics, you have. You know, um, you know, perception, personality perception, you know, all of that stuff. And you have to factor it all in. Yeah. And so looking at the number one guy, you already mentioned him, Aaron Judge. You you guys all had, all four of you had him go in the Yankees, which I would concur. Congratulations. I agree. <laughs> uh, but eight years at 332. Eight years at 332. The guy's, he's into his 30s, which obviously you factor that in. Um, was there when he's going through this historic year and you guys landed eight years? Well, let me ask you this before this year, knowing this guy's going to be a free agent from day one, this was the conversation with Aaron Judge contract year. Contract year. Did you think that he would land at eight years 332? Is about what he, you thought he would land at.
2: Oh, no way. No, no. um, no. I think we, I think that this year got him in our minds the eighth year that we really didn't think made sense for him at his age so we granted him that and then i also think we pumped up the average annual value quite a bit um, mm-hmm. so what was like the yankees offer was like 30 right yeah um, uh
1: th- 30 and a half was the aab yeah, yeah
2: so i mean we i mean maybe maybe with like a typical judge year i, I would maybe said like seven times 35 or something in that range or maybe even mm-hmm. pushing a little beyond, but um you know, we're we're over forty, so
1: yeah, it was just uh I mean if you look at if you go by um and look at WRC plus like it's the best non Barry Bond season anyone's had since Ted Williams in nineteen fifty seven. Like it's insane what he went and did this year. Um and you know, one of the things that we look at and, and, and try to keep in mind when we're predicting these contracts and specifically the lengths is there is a pretty demonstrated pattern of what age teams are willing to pay through for position players, for pitchers. Um, and the, you know, the the days of a 30 or 31 year old free agent getting a 10 year deal that goes until he's 40 have kind of like come and gone. Most of those decade long deals you see are for guys who are like Harper, Machado, 26 years old, 27, Corey Seager, um, Seager might've been 28. Uh, but like it, point being it's 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 a younger age um and we did give judge the extra year we, we've said that some teams gonna even though most free agent contracts for position players are capped at age 37 like judges season was so special and so good that he's not only gonna not have to sacrifice that annual value he's gonna get the extra year that teams are typically reluctant to give out um and the contract that we picked we kind of settled on because it Makes him the first forty million dollar position player, and it's enough to um, push him back, push him past Bryce Harper's uh, all time free agent record. He doesn't have the largest contract ever, but it's the largest free agent deal. So I think that's something that will you know certainly matter to to both the player and the agent.
2: You know, one thing on the Yankees topic, um, I, tor- it things get really crazy when we're about to publish the list. We are <laughs> yeah. the only ones. We like to wait until all the qualifying offers are known. And then hit publish, and there's always like a little flurry of activity, and it was like, ah, oh, we got to drop Suarez off this list and put somebody else on it, and should we take Kershaw off since he's close to a deal? And finally, at some point, I'm always just like, just hit publish, this has to go out. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of Judge, you know, especially when reporters started talking to um, Zaidi and like kind of, uh, he he basically said there's no player that we would be incapable of signing if you know interest is mutual and. You know, for the way GMs talk these days, I found that to be pretty interesting and relatively bold. Kind of like saying, "Like, hey, you know, and not he's not saying money is no object, but he's saying as close as the GM might come to that." And I, I could, I, I was telling Steve, I if I had more time and was willing to change all my other picks, to <laughs> I might have been willing to go with the Giants as my pick. Um, and I think it would have been kind of fun, too, to have us not all agreeing. So that might have been a <laughs> bit of a factor. But if had I done that, I would have had to think about how will the Yankees spend their money now. And I think I had, like, Correa on the Giants, so I did not take him off. And it was like, okay, I was like, do I want to redo all this stuff or just leave it? <laughs> I just left it. But I, I don't have, like, total certainty. Like, it does seem like those are the top two teams. And it's really hard for me to see a, other teams wedging in, even though I'm sure – there's going to be competitive offers from teams outside of those two. I definitely cannot identify them at this point. Like even just logically, like I can't.
1: I, th- I think there'll be other offers and, and I agree. Like, I don't necessarily feel it's, you know, like a slam dunk, like 90% judges back to the Yankees. Um, but it's one of those things. I wish one of us to just like, just for the fun of it, like, cause, cause, and not only for the fun of it, but to reflect the fact that like, we do think there's like a, a, a legitimate, not crazy, you know pie in the sky chance yeah he leaves like and it's not it could be you know closer to like 55 45 percent than you know when you see all of us predict the Yankees across the board it's like oh you know I think a lot of people think oh 100 they think he's going back and it's like that's not the case at all I think we all just felt slightly better as individuals and we don't collaborate you know with each other on the team picks necessarily Mm -hmm. so I think we all just felt slightly better about the Yankees than, you know, the Giants or, are, are, like Tim said, some kind of, you know, random mystery team. The Mariners could do it. The, the Padres seem to, like, just dig money out of nowhere and are always in on every marquee uh, free agent, so they'll probably try to get something creative done. But, uh, yeah, I, I wish one of us, just to kind of reflect, we don't think this is a certainty. I do I do wish that somebody had kind of gone off off the off the rails a little bit there like Anthony did last year when he picked Riz, uh, uh, Freeman to, to leave the Braves.
0: Oh, well, yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, I, I think the consensus, you know, 90% of people would agree with you guys about the going back to the Yankees. It just feels like it, it, the ultimately you want to be right. You're right. And I think that you guys go going with what you believe is going to be right. So I I do not begrudge you for picking the Yankees. Now, overall, this free agent class. I was on MLB uh, Network radio yesterday, and I said it was brought up. I said, "Well, this free agent class stinks." And then I'm like, oh, "That was strong." You know, my apologies to all the free agents. You <laughs> know, but but I mean, my point was was that you know, like for instance, for the Red Sox, they need a right fielder, like they need an impactful right fielder. Like, who's that guy they're going to sign for four years and feel really good about? you know, mm-hmm. other than like the Aaron judge, am I missing somebody? I mean, that's, I,
2: yeah, bro. I mean, it, it feels, it feels kind of top heavy to me. Yeah. Um, you know, and that uh particularly in outfield, like if you're not signing judge or nimmo, you're not feeling great about whoever you're signing, you know, yeah, that's
0: and, a good way to put it. That's a good way manager. to put it.
2: I mean, there's not even really like a, like a Schwarber out there type of like hundred million dollar. Hey, this guy is really good at one thing, but not as great as another thing. Like, Hanniger yeah. is below that, and, and Benintendi is below that, and so outfield, like obviously, most teams are not even really getting into Judge, and I think Nimo is probably scaring off a fair number of clubs, and mm-hmm. I also think like you wouldn't really sign him if you're not plugging him in in center field. So, yeah, I mean it's kind of slim pickings, really. Yeah, outfield, it's especially outfield.
0: Yeah, so again, I, I'm sorry for saying it stinks, mm-hmm. but I think you you hit the nail on the head. You don't feel great about some of these deals that you might have to sign these guys to, right? And then
2: so many of them are shortstops or like super well, high Well, and numbers, that and that's what so that's pitch.
0: what I was going to say is that it's still why I say it it stinks. It's it's not uninteresting. Like we have Judge, we obviously have like DeGrom, but we also have the shortstop. This is a very this is the very unique part of this is the shortstops. The question I would ask you guys the first question about the shortstop situation is there any scenario you see where the musical chairs of the four shortstops? Someone, not everyone's going to get a job, but doesn't necessarily get what they're looking for and maybe has to go sort of the Correa route or, or something along those lines of last year?
2: Yeah, I think that's absolutely plausible. Um, I mean, Correa is like obviously we had a lockout, he changes agents and stuff, but. I mean, to me, the one who I think could... I I think people think Correa is going to go out looking for like eight, nine years, and then if he doesn't get it, he would go short-term again, but I think that um, now that he's shed the qualifying offer and he has Boris, that he's really just going to max out and he'll succeed in that. So for me, the one who I think could kind of come up short or is the most likely to would probably be Bogarts um, in that... He had these really big defensive questions, and then he went out and had, I think, was what was considered a pretty good defensive year, Um, but just leaving open the question of, well, what is he next year as a shortstop defensively, and how long are we keeping him at this position? And you know, he's a great hitter, but you know, he had a little bit of power weirdness and stuff this year, so it's kind of like. I think we put what seven years on him, and I I mean, yeah, yeah, seven years. Somehow the chairs stop, and seven years is not happening, and people start offering him five and six, and he's like, "Well, I don't like this, so I'm going to do something shorter." I mean, what do you think, Steve?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I think, I agree that, uh, and we talked about this a little bit that Bogarts kind of has that potential. Like you said, he he had the if he had gone out and had his normal offensive year and then also had the defensive metrics tick upward and everything. And there was like this kind of like big like narrative, but like how like he improved his defense and he's still this amazing. He was still a really good hitter, but you don't, you know, it, it took until I don't know, I think in the middle of August, he was still sitting on single digit home runs. Like he really, he had a, a big finish and, and hit some home runs and showed a little bit more power late in the season, but it wasn't a typical, the typical path that Bogarts takes to having a really good offensive year. Um, and yeah, there's, I just feel like there are fewer question marks, uh, surrounding certainly Turner and Correa and, uh, Swanson. I just, I don't, I don't think Swanson is, is in a position and and he's kind of another one of those players where we were talking and thinking like, all right, like you said, a few good years and we like the player well enough, but like we're gonna predict a contract that's beyond the scope of like what we consider reasonable for him. And so for him to be the one who went out and took a short term deal, I don't I I think it makes the most sense for him to go out, get his max contract wherever he can. Um, but Bogart's yeah, like it, it, it could hit a situation where he's looking at, you know, three and four year offers at like super premium annual values, and that could have appeal to him, especially since he took the team friendly extension in the first place with the Red Sox and you know that at 6 years and 120 when he would have been a 27 year old 26 year old free agent was was really friendly to Boston. Mm-hmm. Um and so the allure of if he has to take a short term deal, kind of almost recouping some of that money that he probably left on the table the first 3 years of that extension, I think that holds some appeal.
0: He, you know, I think the Red Sox are banking on that to a certain extent. We, we'll have to see where they land and maybe, you know, they they're, they're going to like react to the market, but You look at how they've reacted. You know, they were basically banking on him not performing really as as well as he did, at least defensively. And and still because you never if you can't if you can avoid it, you don't let a guy get the free agency because once you do that, you get the name on the jumbotron. All he needs is a Dave Dombrowski of the world throwing money at you. And then look at you know, look at Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, Kyle Schwarber got double from Dombrowski,
2: what the Red Sox were offering. Double. I mean, that's nuts. (laughs) Rob, do you you think the Red Sox's impression of of Bogarts' defensive abilities has has changed significantly in the last year? Significantly?
0: No. Somewhat? Yes. And it was interesting because when I did a podcast with Bloom, I asked him – you know, this is this goes to what we were talking about before, about all the off-field stuff, the clubhouse stuff, and how much how much do you factor that in? Because the the um the a lot of people think like GMs like Bloom don't value that enough, or the this new wave of GMs don't value that. And he said, No, no, of course we do, of course we do. If we didn't, then at 30 years old, we wouldn't even be getting on the bus with them like that's what he said and i mean first of all you're tipping your hand about how you view free agents number 1 which is good luck to all the 30 year old free agents out there <laughs> yeah. the boston red Sox. and and number 2 do you really mean it because and how much do you mean it because that's the big you know that it sounds good and that's what all the fans wanted to hear but you know, it's, and I do think, and this comes back to my original thing, which is I do think some of this is cyclical, where at least this new wave of GMs are sort of understanding the perception of them. So they, you know, they at least have to say things like that.
2: They say that stuff, yeah.
0: Right. But, you know, you look at the other shortstops, and you guys who said, you know, you're wrestling sort of with who's the top shortstop, Correa and Turner. And, you know, it's, if you if you I think that it, the more that you read in the last month when everyone's breaking this stuff done, Trey Turner seems like the best player on the planet. Like people love themselves some Trey Turner, including yeah. by the way the guys who play with him. And so I mean, how close was that for you guys? Because Correa obviously is coming down, coming off for of like a eh, year for him.
2: I think I think kind of your. Um... Your initial impression is going to be to have Trey outrank Correa. I think Steve and Anthony kind of talked me into and eventually got me to agree with the idea that Correa possibly or slightly probably has a little more earning power, I think because of his age and maybe superior defense. Where do you land on that, Steve?
1: Yeah, it's one of those things. um, Correa Correa really – helped himself out over the, the finish of the season. Um, I for a long time, we did have Turner better. Uh, I, uh, it's funny. I, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, not, and not just Rob that, you know, Korea had kind of an eh here. And like, I guess if you look at his counting stats, he did, but by the time you add up his finish and you factor in the fact that like power throughout the league was down as a whole this year, which applies to Bogarts too, by the way. So I, I should throw that caveat in there. We're talking about his uh, drop in power. Um, but, like, Correa still ended up on a rate basis, like, pretty similar to what he was last year. His 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 war totals and everything looked less because he didn't replicate last year's ridiculous, like, platinum glove season. And a couple defensive stats actually had him, uh, you know, below average even. But, like, to to Rob's point on how, like, this year didn't wildly change teams for per- the Red Sox perception of – um, Bogart's defense. I don't think that one year of kind of like so so defensive metrics on Correa are going to wildly change the manner in which you know front offices around the league are going to look at him. I think they're still going to see him as somebody who's one of the five or six best defensive you know shortstops in the game. His arm strength is still off the charts on like the Statcast infield throw ratings, which are super cool that they just released. Um, and that's really the main differentiator from Correa's. 2021 season to his 2022 and i look at it and it's, he's a year older now but he also doesn't have a qualifying offer he's still younger than turner and i just think he kind of really quietly like picked up the offense over the season's final two and a half ish months and really put himself back into position to kind of say like it's not a down year for me def- offensively. maybe it was defensively but my whole like body of work as a shortstop still speaks to um the the upside and, and the talent that i have and 28 no 28 and no qualifying offer. I it, yeah. it's just hard to, to bet against it. I, you know what,
2: you know what, what Crayon does not have is a hype video narrated by John. Harris. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Man. that was so <laughs> ridiculous. I feel like
0: I want to do a hype video on the hype video. I want to do like do. Oh, I want to That's do like a well. First, really of, all, first of all, it's if just, one of my one of my missions in life in life i mean in the next two months i definitely want to do a podcast with john ham talking about the hype video
1: oh please do
2: and and where did where was he sitting when he recorded that and (laughs) why does it sound so bad and (laughs) And, and, and let's be honest
0: let's be honest it's like what is i i I guess i don't know i I guess it can't hurt
1: but (laughs) what's it for it's for other players. It's for other players yeah, to look at yeah. and say, that's super cool. I want that agency. It's yeah. not no 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 front office. That's what they did I, for Trey. It's awesome. Time Bloom is not gonna look at that video and be like, Wow, I really do need to sign <laughs> Trey Turner. No, but that's
0: that's a great point. And it's it's much like when Boris is doing his one man, uh, one man show the other day at the GM meetings, and all I can think of is I wanna hire him just for him to make my name into a pun and then make yeah, me a yeah. lot of money right
2: yeah the the puns are great i love it and you know as much as i'm like you hear him saying this stupid stuff about the x-men and all that stuff and you're like okay today's gms like they this doesn't matter but then like you read the thing about jim crane today and that he's like essentially you know steinbrennering the astros now and (coughs) he gave montero all this money you're like well I mean, given the money at stake, it makes sense to try to push some goofy stuff on an owner who yeah. probably shouldn't be running baseball operations. Like, there's still yeah. a guy out there. And a dude. lot of
1: a lot of those, especially the big contracts, you know, are so conducted uh, at the ownership level. Um, you know, s- some teams certainly more than others, but I mean, even if even if it's a, a, a owner who has full trust in his baseball operations, for that they, they're not giving them, you know, carte blanche to just go out and spend three hundred something million dollars. It's like you when you're, you know signing a player for that much money like i'm going to have to sign off on it and you're going to need to be sold on that and maybe you know maybe that uh john han video you know comes through there for whatever team signs uh Trey Turner. <laughs> i'm not sure i for. wonder
2: if i wonder if some G- some gms like the owners kind of heading down the path toward doing a a bad really long contract for a, for a very good player and the gm thinks well is this the hill i want to die on and then basically not get this player and how long am I going to be in this job? Like three, four, oh, five? Oh, I'm sure it happens. You know? Yeah, like, absolutely. Okay, fine. Go sign the guy and maybe we'll win in the next three listen, years.
0: Listen, I mean, again, not to keep it Red Sox-centric, but Pablo Sandoval, Hanley Ramirez season. Yep. You know, and, and like I had, when when they're talking about, you talk about perception, I had a very smart executive in, in the front office say, oh, well, yeah, listen, because yeah, he was, Pablo is just coming off the World Series MVP. Oh well, he performs the best on the best stage, and every day is a big stage at Fenway Park. I'm like, that's the worst line of thinking. You know what I got to counter that? His 700 OPS over the last three yeah. years. You know, yeah, so, he's just
2: not that great of a hitter. But, but they he- had
0: the, you know, they had the warehouse full of panda hats, and yeah. they had it ready to go. Let right. me ask you this, um, Kodai Senga is a guy, and there's always, you know, usually a few guys from Japan. From your guys' perspective, is that a more difficult one for you to project?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Guys coming up from Japan are – I just think there's fewer comparables, there's less information, and there's obviously no info about how he's performed in the major leagues, and you're kind of speculating there. Um, So, yeah, we always have, I think, more variance on those contracts –
1: yeah, yeah and it, it, it depends with those guy with those types of players specifically. Um you know, we'll, we'll often try to, you know, reach out to you know scouts with a, a few teams or that kind of thing and, and and at least try to ascertain like not hey, what do you think this guy's worth, but like how do you think, you know, he'd fare against major league competition and that kind of thing. And and you know, sometimes sometimes we get great answers, sometimes we've had, you know. Teams tell us like, oh, you know that guy's you no, know, he's he's not even like a, you know he's 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 barely even like a, a big leaguer, and then like that team turns around and signs him, and we're like you. We, <laughs> so we we moved away from from leaning too heavily into. into you know that who sort was like
0: thing. that was um Kikuchi. Kikuchi was a guy like some teams are like nah, not happening, and mm-hmm. the next thing you know, boom, you know he's signing, and then, then he signs again, so. I don't know. Yeah,
2: I, I think, like, there's so much mystery. I'm like, and yeah. I think that, like, even now the teams kind of, I don't want to say fall for it, but, like, are more intrigued by it. Like, if there was uh, a Senga, um, but, you know, with Major League experience, he wouldn't seem as interesting. Yeah,
1: we talked about this with regard to Nick Martinez when I was, you know, trying to figure out if he was going to opt out of the $18 million that's left on his Padres contract a, a couple months ago. And, and he ended up doing so, but... Um it his earning power wasn't I didn't I don't think like clearly like that much more than the three years and eighteen that he had. He might go get that money over two years though and then set himself up to to be a little better off down the line. Um but there's that uh, that unknown, that upside, and you see like this, oh, well, what could this guy do? And like mm-hmm. you're willing to pay for that. And then they come back here, and Martinez have, had a really solid year in San Diego, like nice pitcher, but wasn't overpowering, wasn't blowing guys away and dominating them. And it became kind of a borderline question, like, which sounds crazy. Like, he got $25.5 million last offseason based on just like, you know, a hope and a prayer. And then this year he goes out and performs decently against, you know, major league hitters not amazing but decently and you're sitting there like well i don't know is he gonna is he gonna walk away from three and 18 he might not get that on the market like there's a logical disconnect there but teams are very willing to bet on the upside and bet on the unknown and and i think you see some of that with whether it's kodai senga or Seiya suzuki last year or kikuchi in seattle you know years prior um that that level of intrigue is appealing
0: well guys you've been very generous with your time last thing i'm going to spin the wheel of uh free agents, and I want you to land on the one guy in your top 50 of all your predictions, which you're like, I nailed that. Like We talked about the ones that you said, Jacoby Ellsbury, James McCann. Okay? Mm-hmm. Give me the guy that you like. If you had to go to, to the betting table or the betting window and say, this is what I'm betting on, this prediction, which one would it be? Mm, both yeah. both team and in in terms oh geez yeah see oh, come man. on i'm, I'm
1: <laughs> gotta, like look at the top 50
0: <laughs> there, there must been one like ah oh, man i nailed that one
2: you yeah. know what i want to go with that i think is like a little out there but i'm just gonna go with it would be uh justin verlander um i just got this idea in my head that i could see him on the dodgers um we went three years and 120 million um I won't take credit for three years because that was um, a Stephen Anthony push, but I could see it. And I think most people assume too, but I also see the logic he doesn't need to accept too because he's that good and he wants to play in, you know, into his mid forties. And I also think there's kind of just this assumption that the Astros are going to keep him with the crane variable. I really have no idea, but I think that when a player does like one, um, team friendly ish deal, as he kind of did. It doesn't automatically mean the next deal a year later is going to be the exact same way. And sometimes it can mean the opposite. Like, okay, I gave you this gift, right? You made me um, you know, prove it by having like an innings thing to trigger the uh, player option or whatever. And I did it and I basically won the Cy Young Award most likely. Um now I want forty million a year. And I don't want twenty five or thirty or thirty five and yeah. uh, Awesome, I'm Justin Burlander and like I could see Crane just being like, ah, oh, no, you know, we have tons of pitching, we don't want to do that. And then you look at like a team like the Dodgers, they love the short-term deals. He um, doesn't have a qualifying offer. This also applies to Red Sox and, and a lot of teams, but I think he could leave. So I mean, I'll I'll, I'll go with that one. I tell you what, you had
0: me convinced. I like that. I like that a lot. I like that all that line of thinking. And and every time you predict that anybody predicts the Dodgers, I kind of feel good about it. <laughs> you know i feel i feel like they yeah they're going to pay the money and as you said it's going to be like a tr- short term deal but they'll pay whatever amount of money it takes and there you have to eliminate the idea of the player not wanting to play there because it's la it's yeah, maybe he did
2: before but maybe
1: he does now i know who knows it, yeah
0: yeah like what do you got what do you guys do anything
1: uh I I went to bat pretty hard for the not nearly the same scale as the the Verlander thing here, but I went to bat pretty hard for Taylor Rogers as one of our, like, three best. Well, wound up being – at this point, he's your top reliever because Diaz and and Suarez have come off the board. Um, But uh, he was really, really bad uh, the last, like, three months of the season, and I think teams just kind of aren't going to care. Like, his last, like, bad month in San Diego – was pretty fluky if you look at like the average on balls in play it was literally 500 so i think teams are kind of going to be willing to write that off and then home runs were never a problem for him until he got to milwaukee and uh he gave up some big ones there and, and i think brewers fans think i'm nuts for saying that this guy's going to get three years and be one of the top paid relievers on the market but um you know i that could come down to anything from tipping pitches or just some some small you know white noise you go back to when he he added a slider to his arsenal like Memorial Day weekend 2018. You can like look up the pitch log and it's like from that moment on, he went from like, oh, this guy's like kind of a good reliever to like he's a ERA barely above two, like striking out 35% of his opponents and walking like 4% of them for a solid like three and a half years. He was just a monster. And I think if he hadn't had the the bad finish this year, I would have been putting like four years in like Rysel Iglesias territory, like four years and 50 plus on him. So I think some people kind of, and some commenters were like, you know, what are you, how Taylor Rodgers is going to get like a year and whatever. It's no, he won't. I I, I think he's going to get paid three years. I think teams aren't going to care about the bad finish. And I think it's going to be a good deal for whoever signs him. And you
0: just, you just said it. He, he just listen. I mean, he's the benefactor of all these other guys signing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, all these are gone and they got more money than we thought. So, right. And you see, and and the relief market is crazy so far. Like, we thought we were aggressive. Our list, we were going to have three years and 30 million on Robert Suarez, and he blew that out of the water. So, like, well, and and I thought that was an aggressive pick in the first place. So, it bodes well moving forward for relievers.
0: Well, guys, you had me convinced about everything you said. I'm ready to go. Like I said, (laughs) Christmas in November. Thanks. It's, it's it's one of my favorite times of the year. Not only for the list, but also talk to you guys. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll reconvene. I guess I'll see you at the winter meetings, Is, or, yeah. or- I, I,
2: actually, we're skipping it this oh, year. Well, not so much. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, think I might that's, go next year. Yeah. That's I gotta, okay. I gotta, I gotta-
1: Got a new little baby at home. No, no winter meetings this year. So.
2: That's okay. You, I I, don't, me, I just don't really like going. I like going when I see people like you. But you know, for the most part, it's a lot of standing around. It's it's <laughs> it
0: is a lot of standing around, and and you can and you know what? It's not only you and me and everybody else in the media. It's the executives. They don't want to go any more either. I mean, <laughs> I they, they, they don't. Need to. <laughs> they, 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 it's like you know, you're you get into these enormous hotels and. All you're doing is on your you're on the phone or on Zoom or whatever anyway.
2: You're I think I'd like- be more plugged in if I just like watch Twitter on my phone. So yeah, well, <laughs> yes, that's how that's how life is
0: now. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> sadly.
2: <laughs>
0: but uh yeah, sadly. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Man. Thanks for having us,
1: Rob. Thanks so much, Rob. Take care.